Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. We are here. It's Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Welcome back. We're glad to be with you. I'm Joel Hoover. Testing, one, two, testing, testing, one, two. I'm here. Okay, good. Brooks is with you, too. Yes, he is. Sounding pretty good over there, Dave. Syllabus. 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 That's the one that uh, TJ always goes with, too. You and TJ. Tom Hanks. Thank you very much. That's that's an old Saturday Night Live joke where he was the the roadie, the techie for Wayne's World when Aerosmith was on. Syllabus. Syllabus. That's right. Yep. Well, welcome back. We're glad to have you here for another episode of the podcast. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Love going to see a movie at the Bemidji Theater. They've got their $5 nights on Tuesdays as well that you can go and enjoy. Great place to catch a movie. Plus, they have some food specials as well on Tuesdays for you to take advantage of as well. The Bemidji Theater, located just across from the airport on Highway 2 here in Bemidji, and we appreciate having them on board as a sponsor. One other thing about them is they're just about to get into the kids' movies for the summer. That's they're, right, They're yes. going to be doing that for $2 tickets for the kids, some of the best kid classics of all time. Ask, Check into the Bemidji Theater for more details and which week showings and all of that. But 10 a.m. on San- oh, Saturday, I think? I could be wrong about the time, but uh, it's a fantastic opportunity. If you got the kiddos and you want to take them to a movie, you don't want to be out $100 doing it, uh, and you want to take them to a movie you know they're going to like, the kids' movies all summer long. I'm trying to check when exactly that they are doing that. I'm checking I can't on, remember on the, the date. website here. I, th- I think in my brain I'm confusing it with the sensory show, which they do every third Saturday. Um, okay. Third Saturday of every month, and I think those are Saturdays. So I might be confusing the two days. But here's the best way to do it. Ask for more details. Missy and the crew at the Bemidji Theater, they're knowledgeable, they are kind, they're wonderful people, and you'll love talking to them. Absolutely, yeah. You can either give them a call or you can stop on by if you'd like to find out more information about the, the kids' movies that they'll be doing this summer. But there will be a bit of a rundown of of those going on. Although, I'm seeing one here for Wednesday. I'm seeing Paddington 2 that, for that Wednesday. That might be the one. That, so might, that might be what I'm thinking It looks about. like it's going to be on Wednesdays that that's taking place. We're, we're recording this on a Monday, by the way. This is Monday, June 4th. So uh, do bear that in mind. But if you check on on the website, cectheaters.com, uh, and then you can go to uh, the, the one in Bemidji, then that's the way, really, that you can keep up with it if you want to online. Second weekend in a row that not just the Bemidji Theater, but all theaters across the USA have at number one the new Han Solo Star Wars story. Yes, indeed. Uh, I've been to see it twice now. Really, really enjoyed the movie. We'll get to our thoughts on it here in a moment. But uh, it's not done great overall at the box office. It, it ended up taking in twenty nine, about $29.3 million here for this past weekend, according to Box Office Mojo. Enough to get it to number one once again, but the numbers are underwhelming uh, here to this point. Overall, uh, Solo has has pulled in at least um, at, at least at least domestically 148.8 million, and uh, worldwide it's not been that terribly much. It's been about 264.2 million, uh, which comparatively 
not exactly what they were expecting. Now, in terms of thoughts on the movie, I loved it. I, I, I mean, I, well, okay, I really liked it. Love might be a little bit strong. I loved Rogue One. I, I really liked Solo. That's not to say that that it was, you know, that I'm that I'm looking down on it negatively in any way. I really liked the movie. We had talked often on this podcast, Dave, about the trouble that they were going through in production with this movie. And that made me nervous about what exactly we were going to get when we would actually go check it out. And I was thoroughly entertained. I went into this going, entertain me. Entertain me. I just want a summertime, fun movie that's going to be pretty well put together. And it was. It was. It was strung together really nicely story-wise. They had a lot of twists and turns to it. Some really thrilling stuff. I thought the Kessel Run was super. And... I, I, it set up pretty well for maybe some future stuff that could be in the works. Maybe not necessarily Han Solo specific, but maybe that'll tie him into other stories that are planned in the future. And it was it was well done. I thought it was good. We should probably really quickly interject. We Since we are talking about Solo on our thoughts, it's been out for a couple of weeks, there will be probably spoilers coming up, not just for Solo, but for other movies. So be I'm sure most people thought that the Castle Run was going to be involved, but just in case. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm talking about that. I mean, we there there's a, there's a bit of a twist that shows up that we might touch base on. Yeah, maybe. And not to mention the larger uh, discussion we're going to have here. There could be some spoilers. So forewarned, for Solo and for other movies, there may be spoilers for loading. But that being said, uh, I echo what you say exactly. I very much like Solo. I knew that despite the fact that Solo had kind of careened off course in the making of with the replacing of the directors, Ron Howard ultimately basically reshot 80% of the movie. And so it's his. He's an established director. He is... He's already versed with Lucasfilm. He did Willow back in the 80s. Um, he knows his stuff. Um, yeah, so Phil I'm, Lord and Christopher Miller were listed as executive producers. So That's they were, what it was. They were still a part of it. and uh, So the movie was good. And all the review sites are saying pretty good. And all the people that I've talked to that have seen it really liked it. The Star Wars fans I know, they were positive and thumbs up. Um, I myself liked it. I've, I'd like to see us move forward rather than explore the backstories. But still, that being said, I enjoyed it. I liked it very much. Um, but the movie isn't pulling in at the box office. And so there's a lot of theories as to what it is. Is it some sort of a backlash to the behind the scenes issues? Are the behind the scenes issues keeping people away? Um, is it franchise fatigue? And that's kind of where we're going to be giving our focus to. It is where we're going today. I think all of those are, are pretty fair points on the why behind something like this, because Star Wars is is such the such a a huge entity and such a respected entity and a and a successful one too that it's it's just kind of odd to see a movie like this not do well. I mean, with Rogue One, that was the first foray into one of the Star Wars stories, and yet it did exceptionally well at the box office and did exceptionally well critically too. Um, there there was much anticipation. It was it was a sidebar story that attached into a larger story, and yet it was still really well-liked and well-respected um, with with all that it did. But is this, you know, six months removed, just about six months removed from uh, from The Last Jedi? Is this fatigue, or is it people who maybe were not happy with the way that The Last Jedi played out who are saying, 
this is our revenge here that we're we're not going to go in and check out your latest movie or are we getting too meta with the these Star Wars stories that that we're delving into now? Do, do that many people want a Han Solo backstory? I feel like people would want a Han Solo backstory. At least it seems like people would want that. Or did they? Yeah, did they see the the way that production was going with this movie and suddenly go, oh boy, what are we about to get into here with the production issues that they were going through in the buildup? I, you know, I, one thing I think when there is no wise old man on the hill. There is no answer. The people really don't know yet what exactly is happening. So all we're doing is theorizing. But one thing that I would uh, offer to throw out is the behind-the-scenes stuff. Now, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Lawrence Gazden and his son wrote this movie. Now, Kasdan, if you for those of you that don't know, is very versed in not just Lucasfilm but Star Wars. He helped write Empire Strikes Back, and not to mention Return of the Jedi, so he's part of the original trilogy. He helped to write uh, Indiana Jones. He's been very, very part of Lucasfilm, so he knows what he's doing, and his son is chip off the old block, very, very skilled also. So they wrote together the new Star Wars movie. So, But a lot of people aren't really behind-the-scenes smart, so to speak. They're just they're interested, like you said. I want to see a movie, and I don't I don't know who directed them. Who's Ron Howard? Who who's Chris Miller? And so, they don't know. They just know that's a young Han Solo movie. They're there to see it and have fun. They d- could care less about what behind the scenes problems there were, because other movies that are well steeped in behind the scenes problems do great at the box office because people want to see the movie, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. If people really follow behind the scenes, you have a good pedigree of writer, and the original directors are starting to get away from that. So they fired them and brought in a new director to bring them closer to the script to the point that a lot of what was originally shot was reshot and much closer to the script. And so with Ron Howard, a very, very steady hand, a very established hand, um, you have to have a lot of confidence, as did I. I knew that this was getting back into good hands. Not to say that Miller and Lord weren't good hands. They just decided to do their own thing and they got called out for it and were shown the door. So behind the scenes, I think you could almost discount that. I don't think it factors in with people that aren't big-time movie fans that know everything about everything, you know, like the you and me's. We know what's going on behind the scenes. But it created nerves, though. I I mean, it did create some pretty serious nerves, and it it got a lot of press when they were working on that. But I would also argue that if you go and you – if you're going to – I'm going to wait and see what people say, and your friends are coming back and say, oh, it's actually pretty good, then why aren't you going? You know, they were already ringing the panic bell Memorial Weekend on Saturday because of the amount of money that wasn't coming in. I myself, big Star Wars fan, I didn't see it until that Memorial Sunday night, and it was the last show of the night because I had things going on over the weekend. I didn't get a chance to see it. I was either going to go Thursday and that wasn't going to work out, or I was going to go Sunday. There was no in-between. So how many people potentially could have been like me, that they were busy with other things going on? How many people wanted to see Deadpool 2 the weekend before, didn't get a chance to, wanted to see it while it was still in theaters, and knew Solo was going to be around for a while? So I'll get to that, but I want to see this movie first. Who knows? So I don't think any behind-the-scenes drama, in my opinion, has anything to do with it, because once the word was out that it's a good movie, problem solved. Fear is alleviated. So I don't think it was that. Um, another thing, this is where the spoilers are going to come in that happens with, uh, solo is some sort of a mythology that's trying to tie them together. And that would be the, the big spoiler. Now, here it comes. This is your last warning yep, for the go. spoiler for star Wars. So if you don't want to know, maybe fast forward about, uh, I don't know, a couple minutes. 
three, two, one. Here he goes. Spoiler. Darth Maul returns. Yes. Now we saw him cut in half at the end of that Phantom Menace. That was a Menace. whoa moment there for me. I was like, hey, they're taking stuff from the TV show. Yeah, the Clone and Wars. And they're incorporating it into the movies now. So if you watch the Clone Wars cartoon series, you know that Darth Maul comes back with robotic under half because his under half got cut off. So that's the long story short. So he's basically behind the scenes pulling the strings as the puppet master, and that's alluded to at the end of the movie. So you got to think, well, what's that leading to? Well, they're talking about all these in-between-the-lines movies. Rogue One was one of them, but now we've got young character movies. Han Solo was the first. There's a lot of talk. It's not officially confirmed, but it seems to be all but confirmed. The next one will be uh, Obi-Wan. They are officially working behind the scenes on a young Boba Fett. So all of these guys, a lot of their backstories sometimes take place in roughly the same universe. Wouldn't it be interesting if they were all connected more so than just the Star Wars universe that Darth Maul is pulling the strings? The Obi-Wan doesn't look to be a young Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan in exile. You know, right. In between episode three and Which four. Which is where I think we're going next and why I think Han Solo is going to be incorporated in that, especially with, remember what he said to Chewie at the end of the movie. Yeah. Hear about this big shot gangster. Let's Maybe go we check could out pull a Hutt. job. Yep. Where do you think Hutt lives? On Tatooine. Where do you think Obi-Wan is? Tatooine. You don't think that they're going to run into each other because as far as we can tell, although you do get the impression that Chewie and Obi-Wan may have met at one point based on their conversation, just the two of them, early, the very first scene they're together in the original Star Wars, before Chewie introduces them to Hutt. Yes. Han. Who knows? That's right. Yeah. But... So we've got it. So, but here's what we're talking about: is a very connected backstory. How involved do you have to be as a fan to follow all the little threads here? And I'm drawing a parallel to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you know people that went to see the most recent Avengers movie that maybe didn't see a lot of what came before, kind of lost because there's a lot of backstory. Uh, that's really helpful to know, if not necessary to know, to get a lot of the references being set on screen. Star Wars is getting to that point. They are, and that's the challenge, is how far can your franchise truly stretch things before this supposed idea of fatigue sets in? Well, that's kind of what we're discussing today. And you've said it yourself almost in those very words. You went and saw Avengers Infinity War, uh, liked it. Um, we had our issues with it, but we liked it. Um, but even you yourself had said, I don't know if I'm ready for following them on their next adventure. I think I've made it to this culmination. I don't know if I'm ready to invest in another go-around. You said yourself. Right, because I thought this was going to be the culmination. Yeah. They had marketed it as but, such. Yeah. And now, no, the next one is going to be <laughs> the culmination. That's that's but, what it is. But that's the thing, too. How much longer are you going to go for the ride when yeah. the ride is every couple of months you get an event, you get a Marvel movie, you know, and now Star Wars is starting to get to that point. Six yes. months ago, we were in line for tickets to episode five eight. Months. Yeah, I mean, by by the time that it was released here in May, yeah, that's that's a five month differential, now, and it'll be a longer gap before episode nine. That's a year and a half away. That's going to be November December of twenty twenty. So that's a ways away. I I just think or twenty nineteen. Sorry. Yeah, Dave. I I feel like since the purchase of Lucasfilm, they've they are. This they have pushed the envelope a bit with with trying to do this and with putting a movie out every couple of months now. I mean, th- this was the first that they had done this where they didn't wait a year; they waited only a couple of months. I think Solo could have benefited from a release later this year. I I really do think it could have benefited from that because a we're coming off of a a massive tentpole movie like Infinity War. 
B, you're going up against a good B option in in Deadpool, and and C, you're only five months removed from the last edition of Star Wars, which people were lukewarm about who were big-time Star Wars fans. Who's going to go see Solo, A Star Wars Story? Big-time Star Wars fans are going to go see that. If they were feeling a bit lukewarm about how things played out with The Last Jedi, right or wrong, and I, I honestly think that some people took it a bit too far, but I could see where they had some criticisms of it. If they were feeling lukewarm about it, they're probably not going to go in May then, just a couple of months later, to go see this latest iteration. Wait until November. Wait until December. You've done great with December releases for Last Jedi, Force Awakens, Rogue One. Why not do the same with Solo, especially if we're waiting a year and a half anyway for the culmination of the the Rey-Kylo Ren story? Then let's, then let's wait a little bit longer with Solo. They pushed the envelope, I feel like, here with this one. They could have maybe pushed production back a little bit more. They could have let Ron Howard finish tweaking things after they made the change there in the director's chair. They pushed the limit here, though, I think, in terms of the pool of the franchise, the pool of the story, and the pool of the Star Wars aura. And now it's showing at the box office. You know, I, I I don't know how much I think that it's a pushback from The Last Jedi. And as a Star Wars fan from the get-go, you know, you and I and a friend of ours went and saw the movie, and as soon as Last Jedi was over, we kind of huddled in the lobby and, you know, quietly so we wouldn't spoil it for people that were about right. to go see the, the next show, talked about our grievances about it. And my biggest grievance was the big push for The Last Jedi was essentially the O.J. Simpson chase. It's a slow speed chase. You got it. Are you telling me the Empire can't just you know light speed 100 yards further and shoot them down? You telling me they can't do that? They can't. They can launch planetary assaults, but they can't launch an assault on one small armada running out of gas that's outside the window. You're telling me that's the point. That's a problem. The other thing was the Finn storyline and the uh, uh, um, oh the pilot, the rebel pilot, the rebel guy. What's his name? Um, Poe Dameron, thank you. Yes. Uh, basically, their story arcs in that entire movie went nowhere. They brought all the way around a circle and brought them back to where they started. Basically, it was a whole big wild goose chase for both of them to ultimately accomplish nothing. So they were given really nothing to do, much to do about nothing. And then, of course, the whole Luke just dying at the end. And there's a real throwaway line that I did not pick up until I'd seen it for the fourth time. Where when um, when um, you know I'm thinking about uh, young Hansel, I got to get the characters back from <laughs> from the new sequel movies. Yes. Where you get Kylo Ren, you wondering why he can see Ray in his mind. Are you projecting this on me? Oh no, you're too far away. The project, the effort alone would kill you. It's a throwaway line that you probably yourself didn't hear him say. It's such a throwaway line, but that's what sets up the end because Luke does exactly that. Over extends himself and basically pulls all the energy out of himself. Correct. That's, that's how he dies. It was such a throwaway a line and b action, and it's a major hero. I mean, Han got killed by his own son. You know that's tragic. Luke just fell off a rock and disappeared. You know, like what? What? Wait, what? What? That was everyone's last impression leaving the theater. He just he's what? That. Got a lot of people norked. Now, is there enough for there to be a pushback on it? Now, you and I and others had our issues with the movie, but were we there opening weekend for Solo five months later? 
Yes. Yes. And we were looking forward to it, you know. I'm sure there is a contingent of fans. Well, we're, we're just not, don't, we're going to totally, we're pushing back. We're pushing back. But this is for you, Luke. Luke didn't ask for this. Nobody asked for this. You know, this was, this is not a pushback. I don't believe. Not the overall no reward symptom. is worth this. There you go. <laughs> this, this is not that. I don't believe it's that. I think there's a contingent where they, that is the factor. But the worldwide box office dropping is not because of fan pushback. End of story. Yeah. You got a lot of kids that they love Star Wars and they'll love Star Wars anything. Even the prequel movies will give example to that. Episode two did great because, you know, not that Jar Jar didn't wreck the first one and other issues too, but they were lining up for part two and part three too. Yep. Um, it, it's, not, it's not that. People want to see this movie, but people aren't going to see the movie because of why. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, by the way, is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Glad to have them aboard as the sponsor of this podcast. The Bemidji Theater, just across from the airport on Highway 2. And the big question, too, that goes along with it is, well, the why, like you were saying, and why do some franchises stack up better than others when it comes to longevity? We're looking at you, Marvel. How is Marvel still carrying this on? And still being able to accomplish this. Why is it that other franchises have tailed off? Think about it with with some of these. Let's take, for instance, the Transformers franchise. That's one that that got out to a rip-roaring start. And would be a surefire, big-time hitter at the box office. Then as time went along, what happened? The movies got progressively worse. Characters ended up having to be changed. Michael Bay never really changed his formula, and and then eventually the box office numbers started to to tumble downward. But they're still talking about more. They, they are still talking about more. I suppose they felt that, hey, the box office pull has justified at least enough to be able to do more, even though, oh my gosh, critically, this is a bomb. I mean, most of them. Three, four, five—the the last couple of ones—they were bombs. And you could take box a, and you could take a parallel to Pirates of the Caribbean. The first one was Critically, fantastic. Rather. Then they finished out, turned it into a trilogy. Eh. They did a spinoff on Stranger Tides. Eh. You know, it's just it's gone down and down and down. But they're still talking about doing more. Maybe it'll be Johnny Depp's behind the scenes issues that'll be the end of the franchise. Who knows? And that's also Michael Bay. But, you know, then you get some other franchises that find a creative way to breathe new life into it. Look at the Fast and the Furious. They were going the way of many franchises, and then it basically got a reboot and a restart and a lot of new life. Look at Mission Impossible. J.J. Abrams got involved in that and breathed a whole lot of new life into it, and it's just roaring for They got the new one coming out this summer. Can't wait to see it. James Bond has done that for decades with that franchise, where it's a new person. Every so often, they've got a new take and a new vibe on it. There are different ways of being able to do those movies. And Daniel Craig and and those who have come in here over the last decade or so have really reinvigorated the Bond franchise after they had reached kind of the doldrums a bit by the end of the Pierce Brosnan run with ideas that weren't very fresh anymore. It was just the same old tropes. And then all of a sudden... Casino Royale changed the game, and then Skyfall was the the was the crowning moment for the Bond franchise to say, "Hey, fifty years on, we are still kicking because that crossed a billion dollars at oh, the yeah. box office. Did things that no Bond movie had ever done before in terms of success, winning an Oscar thanks to Adele. So, you know, 
different things like that that helped reinvigorate it and keep it fresh. And the other thing that that those movies have, and even Transformers did this too, and I'll, I'll give them that, Pirates of the Caribbean, they spaced out a bit more in terms of their movies. Marvel is incredible that way because they they put out multiple movies in a year, and yet the comic book craze is such that they are able to successfully do that. They know what works. They know they can push the limit that way, and they can still get people to come. I'm genuinely curious how well Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to do here post-Infinity War. Are they going to keep pulling people in? I mean, they went to see Black Panther. They went to see Infinity War here in the space of one year. How much more is left in terms of their support and what they want to go see? I, I'm curious, but they, they keep pushing the limit, and they keep doing it su- successfully. So let's talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe here. You've got a very similar predicament here. You've got a very similar parallel arc. Now, if it's been assumed for a long time, back to Star Wars real quick, that this new sequel trilogy was building to something. They'd mapped out the trilogy, and each chapter was going to be handed over to a director to flesh out however they wanted to, but the broad strokes were already in place by the powers that be. It's turning out, going into The Last Jedi, that that is actually not the case. Uh, the first one, Episode 7, they came up with some interesting threads, but they what ultimately happened was, we're going to leave this to the next director to decide where these threads are going to lead. What is Ray's parentage? None, as far as we know. Now, maybe they could retcon that, but as far as we know now, none. I like that they went off the beaten trail with that. They 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 zagged when you thought they were going to zig, and that's, yep. that's one of the things. A lot of people were talking about things like, well, who's Snope and where did he come from? Answer? Doesn't matter. He's nobody. He's dead now. He's gone. You know, what? You know, who's raised parentage? Nothing. They were junk farmer traders. Huh? So these are things that people were talking about. Doesn't matter. So it kind of deflates things a little bit. Now look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course they went to Black Panther because that's the go-home movie before the main event, the Super Bowl. You know, you watch the NFC title game because that leads to the Super Bowl. You know, and that was the Super Bowl was promised to be. It's all been leading to this. Oh wait a minute! No, it's all leading to the next Avengers movie, which will be in a year because we're we're you know, it, it ended like Empire Strikes Back. Half of people died. You know, are they really dead? Are some of them going to be permanent? Will some of them come back? You know that they're going forward from here. So this was a false culmination. Star Wars isn't really building to anything that each particular director themselves don't decide to steer it because they're. As much as there is a power of B in control, which is namely Kathleen Kennedy and other people around her, it's not like George Lucas had it, where George Lucas was the end-all, be-all, say-all, and wrote them all, too. He knew where everything was going to go. I don't know if that's quite the case in the, in practice, anyway, with Lucasfilm right now. If they really are truly not building to a full pre-designed trilogy, then all bets are off, and that includes Skywalker. There was a lot of talk that Colin Tevereau, really wanted having Skywalker in Episode Nine, And he still might, you know, as same way that Alec Guinness showed up in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in Force Mode. Yoda came back in Last Jedi, but in Force Mode. Luke could very well do the exact same thing, but Luke as an actual flesh-and-blood character, unless resurrection is really something that happens and it's not just Star Trek with Spock, then Luke's done. Han is done. Yeah. You know, and Leia, because of what happened with Carrie Fisher, she's gone too. Yeah, and here's the other thing too, Dave. We're talking about characters who have been around in the consciousness for four decades to this point. That's how long Star Wars has been around. Yes, there was a massive gap between 
1983 at the time of Return of the Jedi and 1999 when The Phantom Menace came along. There was a big gap in there. But they've been around that long. And even in the new even in the new Star Wars era as we know it from 99 all the way to 2005 with the the origin trilogy and then the new coming of these movies after Lucasfilm was bought by Disney. Star Wars has been around for a while. And I don't know, because of that, I don't know if they have the strength to be able to put multiple movies out in the course of a couple of months. I think they've just realized that maybe for the first time here. With the comic book movies, they're they're about a decade into their run. You know, things got, I mean, the, the constant comic book movie run. Yes, we had you had your Spider-Man, you had your X-Men movies that would come out in the early 2000s. But we're about a decade into that run. It's still at least fresh enough that they can make it work. I think Disney is learning the hard way here that they can't just roll out Star Wars movies like a, like Marvel movies. And I think there's something to be said about the timing. Um, like I said, five months ago, we were all in line for Episode Eight. you know. Like it or not like it or have something in the middle, you know, we were all there. And most of us were ready for this one, but clearly not really because people aren't going to the box office like before. Maybe it has something to do with the end of school. Maybe it doesn't because Memorial Weekend is always traditionally a big summer kickoff. And you can go look down the history books of Memorial Openers, and they're all big-name movies. Whether the movie's bombed or not is another thing. But the hype around them was huge, and the box office for them was tending to be pretty big, too. But not always. So you can go look back in time. And this the other thing about Young Solo. It has the record now, not adjusted for inflation, with uh, the all-time Memorial Weekend box office hall of all time. You know, Now, put it together with inflation. I haven't run those numbers. I don't know what they would be. Um, but it's Star Wars Memorial Weekend. You'd think that'd be a surefire right. hit. You'd think, yeah. This was, this was what concerned me when, when Lucasfilm was bought by Disney. This was what concerned me. I was like, you know what? We, we got to an ending with Star Wars. I, I like that there's a beginning and an ending to stories. I, I think it's good. Reach an ending. You, you have that legacy set in stone. You can go back to it from time to time. When people try to milk more out of it just for the sake of doing so, that's where I really have a problem. And I, and I had an issue when they bought it up because I was like, this franchise, all of a sudden, yes, it's been given new life. But is it going to be given new life? Like living, breathing, really good, strong movies that we're going to get from it. I think we've had moments. But, th- but this franchise had reached an ending point. That- that's what frustrates me sometimes since we are talking about franchises and the pitfalls that come with franchises. And why do some work and others don't? I think some work because they know when to have an ending. And others, they, they don't seem to know when to truly let it end or where or where the limit is at a certain point and then it becomes too great or too big and then and then you never really get any closure at the end of it it's just constantly the same stuff coming over and over again or you try to spin off a little bit and just keep the story going sometimes it's nice to have an ending sometimes we talked about James Bond earlier what's the overall Bond story there isn't one. Is a super spy for Britain. Right. Sometimes Blofeld shows up. Sometimes he's not there. 
But Bond stories are pretty much bottled within each individual movie. They Correct. don't really link from one to another. With the exception of some of the recent ones. Yeah, there. there's a little bit of crossover, with, but I mean, that's it. And it's very, very minimal. You would be very helpful to see Skyfall to understand Spectre. And the same with Casino Royale. It's helpful to see that and then see Quantum of Solace. There's a little bit of carryover. There is. But for the most part, especially prior to uh, Daniel Craig, there isn't really any connection at all. And so, but that's been going for 50 plus years. It's about as old as Star Trek. And that's extremely long. What's the overall story of Star Trek? There really isn't one. It's a bunch of... It's a universe with a bunch of stuff going on in different ty- different centuries and so forth. Why can't Star Wars be something similar? You know, we had just finished telling the story by telling the early part of the story in the prequel movies that, you know, was kind of depressing because now we all thought at the time Star Wars is probably done. We know it'll go to better places, but we know where it's going to go. We've seen that. And then they bring back the sequel trilogy. This might really tell the rest of the story. I'll bet you Ray is connected. And then we find out that it's all nothing. It's all happenstance. And that, I think, deflated some people. But it deflated me a little bit, too. But I'm certainly not on some chat room. What the heck? I'm never going to go see it. I was there opening weekend. It took me till Sunday night, but I was busy, you know. Um, And I would think that a lot of people were in that predicament. However, the box office says otherwise. So could it be part of a lot of things coming together? Could it be the fact that we did just have part two? Look at a lot, and it doesn't happen often that you get a sequel really close to another one, or this wasn't really a sequel, but another entry. Back to the Future 2 came out in November of 89. Six months later came part three. They filmed them simultaneously. Um, The Lord of the Rings, they came out exactly one year apart from one another. Yes. And uh, they were still doing huge. And I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and I was pretty fatigued by the time we got to the last one, not to mention the fact that it's a seven-hour movie. I'm exaggerating, of course, but that movie had three endings, and I was ready for all three of them. Um, But Matrix, you know, the first one was really amazing. Then they did Reloaded, and six months later came Revolutions. The box office total for number three on all of them was a little less than they were for number two. People were ready for number two, not so much for number three. Was it the timing? It certainly wasn't the completion of the story. And so you got another, you got, so you have an example now where we're starting to see a little fallout with Star Wars. Whether it is directly connected to The Last Jedi, don't really know. I think it's proof, though, that they need to back off in the future because they've got plenty more movies planned out that they have on the way. They've got to give ample time. I mean, I think one movie a year is going to be something that'll work. But look at Marvel. Look what's about to happen in a month. Ant-Man and Wasp come out, and that's part of the MCU, and it's going to have some tie to what happened in the Affinity War movie. And a year from now, the new Affinity War movie part two, or whatever they're going to call it, is coming out. One year later, they they filmed them at the same time, so the movie is essentially yeah. done. It's in post-production right now, so it will be ready for May of next year, whatever the date will be. So any other Marvel movie that comes out in the next year that's going to be in some way tied in, how is that going to do? That's going to tell the story. And when the Avengers Part 2 come out, or Part 4, or whatever we're calling it, how is that going to do? How many people ran into the theater for Avengers and limped out that are not going to want to come back? Maybe we're starting to see what's coming for Marvel with Star Wars. Maybe. Maybe not. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm, I think it's going to come down to how that movie performs. But I think there's, there's a couple of things to keep in mind for franchises that, that maybe those in these production companies need to keep in mind. Number one, I think you need to have a good gauge of your entity. I think those who run Marvel have a pretty good gauge of their entity by now of what 
can work and what can't work, which is why they're able to do what they do. I think those in Lucasfilm are, are learning what their entity can and can't do. And that, hey, you've got to get things right in the production room. That might not be the reason why they're struggling here, all the issues that they had in the buildup here with Solo, but you've got to get it right because this is the second time now that we have seen these issues crop up. This time, even more pronounced than Rogue One, where it was reshoots because the powers that be were saying, no, 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 you need to do this a little bit differently. We want to see it this way. This time, it was so much so that they removed the original directors. So get it right. Come in with your plan. That does matter. And then number two, I think anticipation is something to still be appreciated when it comes to waiting for a movie to come out. Anticipation really matters. Having a little bit of a break, having a little bit of time. It can go the other way sometimes. You might be going too long in between. Honestly, James Cameron wants to make a franchise out of Avatar. It's been a long time since that last movie came out, the original Avatar, which did incredible at the box office. Christmas 2009, almost a decade. Who wants to go see another one now? Is there really that much buzz over it? I mean, Avatar had its run, and it was a huge deal, but nobody talks about it anymore. It had its time and its run. Is it going to do that well when it comes back again? I'm really not so certain. I think it comes down to appetite. You'd mentioned the 18-year gap between the original trilogy, Star Wars, and the prequel trilogy. There was a hunger for it. I don't. I know you don't remember when Episode One came out, but oh, I, I, I was a kid, and I remember the buzz was insane. Oh, I have never before or since as much hype as they'll put on movies. Even when the sequel trilogy came out, the hype wasn't quite what it was for the Phantom Menace. It was. Wow, you've never seen such a bloom on a rose. And then the movie came out and the wither kind of started to take its toll. Right. So you, the other point you brought up was, you know, so I believe anticipation. Absolutely right. You got it right in the wheelhouse, right? Nothing but net. The get it right part, I think it's like turning in a test. It's like turning in a paper. So what if you circle the wrong answer? Scribble it out and circle the right answer. Once you turn it in, that's what matters. So maybe on the road to development for Rogue One or Solo. But this is taking a test publicly, and everybody knows what you put down originally as the answer and that you've now scribbled it out and put something else in. Think about how many movies had major problems and how many of them did well in the end. Uh, one of the things I told you, I actually I loaned it to you at one point, was Superman 2. They had had uh, Richard Donner film the original and had done the sequel. And right. they, were, they, were, they were filming them simultaneously, which at the time was unheard of. And there were so many problems behind the scenes. And then they made the change. They made yep. the change. They focused on the first one, got it done, then fired Donner. And then very much like what just happened with Young Solo, they brought in a new director for Superman 2. They reshot the majority of it. And then new scenes that Donner had not shot. And Superman 2 came out and it was a huge hit. It was one of the big hits of, two, of 80, 81 or whatever year it came out. I don't know if that plays a factor into it. Because they got right. it wrong to start. And there are some things with Superman 2 that aren't amazing. It would have been better had the tone been closer to that of the original. And they've kind of fixed that. There's the Donner version that's out there now. You can mostly see what Donner would have done. And so you can kind of fix that mistake. That really wasn't a huge mistake. As long as what comes out on the theater screen is good and entertaining, that's all that really matters. And that's why the bottom line, the bottom line when it comes to running a movie franchise is just that, Dave. If you make good movies, 
And if you put them together really well, and if you try to gauge what the audience is going to be looking for, and and you try to create good plot elements and and something that's engaging, they'll come. They'll come. Think about it with with the Bond movies. Yeah, they had hit a big low with Die Another Day. They hit a major low there with the end of the Brosnan run. That was a a thud that it ended with. And they then, felt that Bond wasn't relative to the 21st century in the way that it was. They tried right. to turn it into a Jason Bourne kind of thing, and it's not. They got it right by going back to the drawing board when when Daniel Craig came in for the next one and essentially rebooted it because Casino Royale was the very first book yes. that Ian Fleming had put out, and they f- pretty faithfully recreated it on screen, and it worked. And it wasn't just that it was the start of the story, quote-unquote. It was the tone. It was very Bondian. It was. It took it back, but at the same time, it had a leg firmly planted in the 21st century. That's what Bond needs to be. All you need is a little free running, and yeah. that'll do that. So oh, you and it get was that, great. Yeah, and then you get a guy like Daniel Craig who came in there and really reinvigorated the Bond character again, going back to his roots. But but they remember the they, controversy between but, the high, behind the casting of him though. N- Oh, huge controversy behind because he his was, casting. Because he was blonde? Because he's blonde. Yeah. Who cares? Yep. Then he came out and he wowed everybody. There were websites put up by fans, craigisnotbond.org or whatever. I don't think that website exists anymore because no. Bond has clearly gone right. pretty well forward. And and look at, look at what happened then. They made such an excellent movie. That people came and had to see it. Trump any controversy. Yeah, and then and then after Quantum of Solace, which kind of dropped off a bit, Skyfall came along, and it knocked it out of the park, and and people had to go see it. It just I mean by the weekend that was just a a superb release, and they they got it right. They they found what worked in terms of spacing, in terms of hey, let's put together some really solid stories now and make this work. And I, I think that comes down to it as well. You know, with Solo, there are some el- – I mean, yeah, they could have done better in terms of some of the writing with, with that movie. It, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's a great popcorn flick. They got the timing wrong in multiple respects, as we pointed out earlier. And maybe they could have done a little bit better behind the scenes in terms of putting something together that people have to go see this. This has to be checked out. So you do that, and they will come. You, if and that, that's what the bottom line is with these franchises, focus on the movie. Focus on putting together a really strong story and something that's going to be really entertaining, and people are going to come. It, it starts there. You know, and Disney rolling the dice on this. So it was six billion. Is that what it was to buy Lucasfilm from George Lucas? I think is I think is with a number something like that. They have well, recapped their investment and then some, but now it's time for profit. Disney Parks is about to open up the new Star Wars experience, basically the Magic Kingdom in Star Wars. So their new version of this is going to open up next year or 2020, somewhere around there. If Star Wars isn't doing well at the box office, how many people are going to not go to the theater and then go down to Star Wars in real life at Disney Parks? So it makes it, it makes a business sense for them. So let's take a turn here. Let's segue into a larger scheme here, not so much Star Wars, but all things, not to get too heavy, but all things at some point come to an end. And not just Star Wars, not just movie franchises, but all kinds of things. 
At one point, westerns were the big, big thing. I mean, you couldn't flip on a TV in the 50s or 60s and not see a western. They were everywhere. Clint Eastwood made his entire career on that for a while before he went into San Francisco police detectiveness, Dirty Harry. Yes. You know, and he still visits back to it every once in a great while. Maybe he's done now, but... Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Um, that was everywhere. Marvel comic universe. It's everywhere. At some point, the Western died out. And even now, every now and again, they'll bring back a really cool Western, and it doesn't quite capture the audience the way that it did back in the heyday. At some point, it comes to... Of some sort of an end. And I don't mean story-wise, I mean appetite-wise. You can put out a great Western and people might not see it. But there are exceptions. you got Westworld right now, although I'm hearing rumors that it's jumped the shark a little bit, but that's subjective, I guess. Um, disco music at one point was a huge craze. Whether Not everybody liked it. It had its decades. Same yeah. with dubstep. Not everybody liked it. You know, And it kind of had its moment. It made its impact. And yeah. then it went away. That's right. Is this a possibility where this has been so involved that now you're moving forward? How many people have gone to see any of these movies, Marvel or Star Wars or whatever, Bond, and you have to sit next to this person in the theater and explain to them why what they just saw is significant? Oh, because in episode 12, this guy did the thing with the guy and the stuff. Oh, well, that makes more sense. I'd only like to see it again now, but I don't know if I want to pay $7 to re-see before you went down to go see the Avengers, how many people went to the Red Box and bought all the other movies to watch them to bree up themselves on everything and got on Hulu and Netflix to watch everything? Well, with comic books, the difference with them is they have been around for decades. Yeah. They have they have maintained for decades. Will that translate into movies? I don't know, especially because of movie prices. And the way the prices work to just to go to the theater and to go check it out. So I don't know if that'll be sustainable in the same way that, that comic books themselves have been. I think Marvel is testing that theory and seeing if it's going to be possible because the comic book world is its own separate kind of world, it seems. And that's carried over to movies. Think about it. I mean, comic books have maintained for such a long time, and that that's something you can pass on, and and stories that just continue but even, on. But even comic books have had their up and their down. Even Superman, the king that's of comics, true. in the early '90s, Superman wasn't drawing like he did in the past. That's, so what did they do? They yeah. killed him. They did. And I mean, it was whoa. People kind of woke up. That's that's a great point, Dave. Yeah. And are we going to see that start translating to the movies? I think we might see that. They, they would need to space out the timing, though, enough to be able to, to maintain and stretch that along. And that, again, goes back to timing, figuring out what works for timing to keep your franchise going. But you're right. All stories, all franchises, all runs eventually do come to their own end. Genres have seen that. We've seen that with stories. What's the last romantic comedy you've seen? They've kind of run their course. They were so generic for so long. They're not really being made as often as they were. Think about that. Everything has its cycle, and yet those cycles have peaks and valleys that come to them. And that's why we may see some of these franchises carry on. That's why we may see some of these franchises have to get a reboot in the midst of them. But they might still carry on regardless. That's that's what keeps Bond going for so long. But the other thing is... Mad Max, for instance. Mad Max had its run in the 80s, and then... Lo and behold, we get a Mad Max Fury Road that comes along and is so brilliantly done that people can't help but take notice because they found a way to to create something fresh out of something that had been 
passed and done there, already for there was so also long. An, there was also an appetite for it, and they had a lot of false starts. They almost got that movie filmed with Mel Gibson back as Mad Max right around 9-11, and then 9-11 hit, and the whole world culture changed, and they were going to film it in Dubai or somewhere out in the Middle East. Well, that wasn't going to work after 9-11, so the movie got shut down before they even filmed it, and delay, 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 and now you got a whole new Mad Max, and you got a whole new movie. But there was an appetite for it. He'd start it up again, and something would happen. It would come, oh, geez, darn. Then it would start, oh, 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 oh. So finally they got it happening, and they did it right, and it worked. Um, This is one of those things where in the era of people binge-watching shows that are so intricately connected and that you've seen all 2,000 episodes leading up to the newest one, I don't know if it's necessarily that it's so in-depth either, but then again, going to the theater isn't like you know downloading the next episode of streaming on Netflix. It's a little bit of a different animal. Uh, I don't know what the answer is here. I really don't. But I think we are turning some sort of a corner. It's hard to see what's around the corner when you're only barely starting to make that turn. But in about a month, you've got the new Ant-Man and the Wasp coming. Will there be fallout from the Avengers Infinity War? We're going to start getting our indication. About a year from now, the next Avengers comes out. Will the box office drop significantly? Marvel here talked about doing a great product. Marvel has knocked it out of the park every single time. Their first foul tip. Well, you could say Avengers Age of Ultron wasn't quite so good, but it wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't as good as the others. But then you had this one that ends on a cliffhanger. Half the people are dead. Well, they've got to come back. So there's people ready for it. But there's also people norked that this was promoted to be the end. Oh, wait, no. There's another one. In fact, we filmed it secretly, and it's coming out in a year. What? That's got people norked. Will there be fallout, not just to the next Avengers, but to Ant-Man and the Wasp? Is what's happening now with Solo just six months ahead of what is potentially going to happen with the Marvels? People falling out from Last Jedi. Again, I've shot down those theories, but yeah. I don't I don't know what the answer is, and I don't think anybody does. And that's why those people who who work in gauging audience interaction in these these studios, in these production studios, are so vitally important because you're gauging just what the capability is of your franchise. You're gauging just what kind of a pool it truly has. I think the folks with Lucasfilm and with, with Disney are going to be kind of relieved to have a year and a half of a break now. They they're gonna take they're gonna take their take their lumps and lick their wounds after, you know, this this bummer that they've had here with with Solo. But they're gonna get a year and a half of anticipation and of wondering building into the next Star Wars movie. And I think that's going to pay off in in a pretty good way for them to help close things out. Maybe there are some some ripple effects that come from the way that The Last Jedi went. Maybe not. But I think that they're going to benefit at least from a little bit more anticipation and a little bit more build-up. But it, it takes knowing your audience when it comes to these franchises. Should we put out another Transformers movie? I don't know if people really want that. Should we roll out more Marvel movies? Yeah, it seems like people want that. See what you can do and make that work. But with these franchises, I think ultimately the story is what truly matters. And that's the best gauge for knowing how do we keep this rolling or how do we scale this back. See, and here's the thing with Disney. We're not just talking about sequels. We're talking about the next phase. That's become the new thing oh now. My gosh, they prepare these sure movies has. a chunk at a time. So it's not just part two, you know, it's the next five or six or ten movies. 
So you already heard that John Favreau is starting a whole new Star Wars. No, it's Ryan Johnson. Sorry, he's doing yeah. a whole new Star Wars trilogy. They will not be part of the Skywalker saga. It'll be its own thing. Exactly where that's going to go, don't know. And that's, but that's a risk. That's a big risk. That's three more movies that people don't know where it's going. In brand new characters. Will people embrace these characters? What if they don't? And you just put out the first one. Then what about two and three? Where did that gonna go? You got uh, John Favreau will be doing a new Star Wars TV series that takes place between episodes three and four. That's a time period that people are interested. But again, it's going back and filling in backstory. Why not move forward? But they're kind of doing that with the new trilogy, too. Then you also have the offshoot movies. There's the young Obi-Wan. There's the young Boba Fett, which are highly, heavily rumored to be next in development after Solo. So you've got a live series. You have a trilogy with three movies, plus you've got young Obi-Wan. That's five movies and a TV series that conceivably all could come out within the next eight years. If we're starting to see franchise fatigue right now and they're about to open up a whole new Star Wars park at Disney, what if attendance numbers are down? What if Episode Nine bombs? What if, what if, what if? Then what comes next and what are they willing to put on the chopping block and cut off? And that's just Star Wars. What about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Look at DC. They were ready to go rip-roaring forward and people stopped going to see them. Will Henry Cavill come back as Superman in his own standalone movie, you know, Ben Affleck, there was always talk he was going to do the Batman standalone. Probably not going to happen now. Yeah, DC has all these ideas, but... But they didn't have the follow-through because people weren't going to see him because you had Marvel doing their thing, DC doing their thing, and clearly there was a preference to what was being done over on the Marvel side. Plus, DC wasn't making great stuff. No, but they but they kind of were. Batman, they just finished up with the Dark Knight trilogy, and all the goodwill from that, despite whether you thought that the last one was a great ending or not, you know, I thought it was as good an ending as could possibly be. It was, yeah, a, it was an ending. That was then, enough, but as it, Marge Simpson once then said. Then it led into Superman, and they decided to do for Superman what they did for Batman, but those are completely different animals. Well, they succeeded with Wonder Woman. That was and the they one they got right. That was, you know, I wonder if that's going to be the anomaly of the DC crown. They got it right. Everything else that has come after, which has pretty much just been Suicide Squad and Justice League, eh, not so well. So what's next? Where are they going to go? How are they going to fix the tone? And has Marvel taken it as far as they can before their ebb? And same with Star Wars. Is there a valley that we're just starting to move into or a solo uh, an anomaly? Good questions to ask, and I don't know if anybody knows... But if anybody can think about it, it's us, by gosh. But Rick and Nick aren't here, so they have us instead. Right. I think a great way to wrap it up then on that point is, as Kenny Rogers once said, you got to know when you hold them. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to buy your tickets. It's it's true, though, right? I I think with these franchises, they've got to know these things and and gauge the pulse of these things. But ultimately... You've got to roll out solid products, good movies that people are going to want to go check out and put the time in to really ensure that's going to happen. To not to not worry about we need this, this, and this in the movie or we got to get this person. Start with the story. Start with the story yeah. and, and begin there, and that's that's where it's paramount. But i got to say also, I don't, I'm not a big fan of studio interference, but there is a time when it's not a bad thing. And I think you can point at Star Wars very recently as a good example. It'd be very interesting to know, and over the next 
decade, I would think. We'll find out more about what was going on behind the scenes with Miller and Lord. And if there is another 80% of this movie that's out there that was not released, that the Miller and Lord version would be, maybe on some later release, maybe not their first pass on DVD, but down the road, they'll have an uncompleted version of something. You'll get an idea of what they were doing. Yeah. And maybe you'll see then how far away from the formula they were straying to the point that the studio stepped in, or Kathleen Kennedy rather stepped in, the producer stepped in, said, nope. We're going back to what we were going to do, and the final product is on screens right now, and it's a good product. So that studio interference working in a positive way, but maybe that's what's relating to the box office numbers, maybe not. Rogue One was going to be a wholly different movie, but somebody behind the scenes came up with a better idea, and you know what? I Gosh, that's actually pretty good. So the Boba Fett movie got pushed aside in favor of Rogue One. Boba Fett will come along eventually, it sounds like, but Rogue One was an awesome movie. And even the reshoots, whatever they were going to be, I think it just simplified it. I don't think I think it changed the ending of the movie dramatically, but it's it condensed it down into something a little easier to follow, from what I understand. And I have no complaints. It was a great movie, and whatever the ending would have been originally, maybe they changed it for the right reasons. But what I know is I saw that movie, loved it. What's to change? It was great studio yeah. interference. But then you get Spider-Man 3, studio interference. They wanted particular bad guys that the power that be that was actually making the movie had no interest in doing. And it showed. I'll wrap it up on this thought. I love new ideas. I love new movies. I love things that are original stories. And I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, with all this franchise talk, an original thought or a fresh idea... It's pretty refreshing these days. One more thought. Think about this. Every movie that's coming out now is some sort of a tentpole movie. Whether it's a new thing or it's part of a franchise, gone or not gone, but much less are the days where there was a decent movie that was coming out that was getting some hype and buzz that was not connected to any other thing. Right. Maybe a star, maybe a director. Hey, the last time this guy did this thing, he did this. A star or a director. Yeah. Those are kind of going away, and now they're going into tentpole movies. I'd like to see just fun popcorn movies that it's a one and done. You see it, you like it, great. You don't like it, you don't see it, well, fine. That's the only one we're going to do anyway. Those are going away, and maybe this is a response to that. Enough tentpole. Can't we see something that isn't a part seven? Can't we see something that's its own thing, that's not connected, but has great stars, great director, great writing, great whatever? Those are kind of going away, unless you're talking very dramatic, Oscar-driven, but not a popcorn movie. Maybe. In the the days of binge-watching, which we are in, I don't know if that's going to necessarily happen, Dave, but like you said earlier, trends change. Trends change. This has been Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Thanks for coming along with us today. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. Until next time, we'll see you at the movies.